Welcome to Talking Backwards. I'm are, back. you, are you playing the Are you playing the intro? What? No. Are you playing the intro? Okay. No. I just I'm waiting sure for that. my moment. Where? How long does it take? Welcome back to Talking Backwards. I am Little Dave Jackson. I'm joined by Patrick Mahan. <laughs> the Little Davy Jackson? <laughs> I'm the king, man. <laughs> little Davy Jackson, is that you? <laughs> king Little Dave Jackson. Oh. I'm joined by Patrick Mahan. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. Hello. Well, we are back once again to talk about some more Twin Peaks. This one is On the Wings of Love. And Season I... 2, episode 18, episode 25, but 26th overall. I was going to say, I'm sure Patrick has more to say about that. I've got a lot to say. In fact, this was written by Harley Payton and Robert Ingalls, okay. but it was okay. directed by Dwayne Dunham. Dwayne Dunham, Mr. back Dunham. at it. Yep. Back in the seat. Yeah. Uh, super appreciative of Dwayne being back at the helm here. This episode, so much better. I mean, Harley Payton, of course, has been penning several of these yeah and robert ingles so i mean you just have a recipe for success right here Mm -hmm. and i think this is a home run of an episode absolutely i mean and and for many reasons which we'll get into but it from from the last three or four that just proceeded to get worse (laughs) it seemed (laughs) as it just kept going um this uh was a much needed breath of fresh air Yes, absolutely. Is there any to do before we jump right in? Let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Let's go. So what we're going to do is we're going to come in to some uh, some unfamiliar yet familiar territory. We've got a deer head hanging on the wall, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is not where it usually is. Usually just when we on see the a table. deer head. Yeah, it's usually just laying on a table somewhere. But this is in the bookhouse. We've got the deer head. We've got uh, books in a line like a library on the back, and we've got our knocked out cop. Our red shirt Tom from Cruise. the episode before. Actually, this time he kind of looked like who would we say? Will Friedel. You said yeah, you said Eric, <laughs> Eric Matthews, Matthews from Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> I can see yeah. that. Sure, I did not pick up on it then, but I see it now. Of course you and do. You're a human. So I'm I'm confused to the layout of the bookhouse. Still, I don't think I really addressed it last time we talked about it. But the fact that Harry kind of has his own private bedroom back here is strange no matter what building you're in that is not a home no the bookhouse can have its own clue board for sure (laughs) yeah man it's got it's got its own library it's got its own bedrooms there's a study i'm sure there's a room just called paulson the paulson hall you walk in look around just like why are there so many candelabras yeah that could be readily used as weapons yes you wrote hatchet and brian's (laughs) so here we have lady jones who has gotten... it's Jonesin for a fix? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I've I've got questions here, and not necessarily beef, but I do have questions. 
No, you know what? I've got Oh. I got beef. So she has gotten into bed as of the episode previous. And so I can only assume that we're picking up right where we left off, in which case she got into bed and then got right back up. Yes. Pulls yes. this, I don't know, hallucination tonic out of her stocking. Oh, and we've, we've all seen Batman and Robin. He's not wearing rubber lips, and that's a shame. Because <laughs> if, if he had been, we would be done with Josie. But we're it's, not done with Josie because she takes this magic dream tonic, rubs it on Harry's lips, and then starts making out with him. She would get the same effect. Like, this tonic is not dry. She's not immune to it, I assume. My poison ivy was. So, so because she puts because she puts it on his lips and starts making out with him, he starts hallucinating that Jones is Josie. And yeah. I'm not sure why this has to happen because he's already asleep. So when and she his goes hair into is twice as big as it was last. Week. I know, right? <laughs> so when she goes into assassin mode and pulls out the garrote wire, it seems like she could have just done this while he was asleep. Why do this? Now, she, she goes in for the kill, and he's seeing her as Josie. I can only assume who she sees him as at this point. Because, again, they would both be under the effects of this miracle lipstick. And she just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Maybe she was using, like, something, like, maybe using it to picture someone she actually likes. Because she's she doesn't like Truman. Or doesn't like? I mean, maybe. I don't know. That argument could be made. This uh, is probably the low point. Well, that's it's the low point because it, uh, it continues where the last episode left off <laughs> right yeah we still have to shake off the 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 road dust from last episode's skid to a halt uh harry survives the onslaught he got that thumb in there uh, yeah yeah he got the thumb up he he can't get to his gun but he does like wrestle her into submission which is a terrible time to have a hangover which he does for the entirety of this episode he does if you're being attacked if your life is under duress you do not need to be hungover. The Billy Zane is working. Billy Zane is working when Audrey brings him room service. And there's this there's this interaction that's like she comes in and drops it off and it culminates in him relaying to her a story or a, a saying that his father had saying, uh, if you're going to bring a hammer, you'd better bring some nails. Mm-hmm. Meaning <laughs> you better finish what you started. Yes. What meaning. does he think is about to happen here? He's going to get some. Yeah, he, I mean, he goes in for a kiss, which she quickly denies. Yeah, yeah, she does because she she's because smart. her heart is still with Coop, and I and will forever me. ship that. Or me, it might be. With I, be I think it's me actually. So I'm eagerly awaiting his death <laughs> from the but series. I hope he wills me that sweater. It's a strong sweater. It is. There's a, there's a lot of and nice it's sweaters tucked in, Olympics. which is even better. The Phantom yeah, nice. not worried about being inconspicuous here. No. Yeah, I, I just thought that whole anecdote was a little presumptuous. Mm-hmm. Like next time you come into my room, I'll have a nail. Something, for you. something better happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. So I, I'm still not a supporter of this relationship. I don't like where this is going. Me neither. He's got a plane, and that's fine. <laughs> I could get a plane. I just have to have the money to buy it. Dude, I could get a plane tomorrow. Yeah. Harry he survives the night, and the next morning he's at the station where uh, Cooper offers him a little bit of advice on how to get rid of this hangover. It's good advice. It's strong advice. The gross-out-to-induce-vomiting methodology. I was excited for a new remedy. Now, here's where it gets tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Just lists off gross thing after gross thing until he gets to the anchovies, and that's where Truman has to draw the line. Yeah. He wasn't feeling it. 
uh, we uh, do a slip cut, what I'm what I'm now calling a slip cut, where we go from a scene in one area to the same area, but a different scene. Yeah. Where we've got a Doc Hayward and a bonsai tree. Mm-hmm. And the triumphant return of Gordon Cole. Yes. Amazing. Heard him coming from a mile away. <laughs> I know. It's so good. He's so loud the whole episode. So loud no, that he scares Shelly later. Because he talks in a normal voice. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever. <laughs> and that, that's, it's, that's a whole separate beef that I've got. <laughs> which we will address when we reach it. There's been a whole lot of shaking going on down in Bend. Which yeah. leads us um, to the weirdest cut of the episode for me. Because you don't understand exactly what's happening just yet. Mm-hmm. We go immediately to Windermerle and Leo at the cabin. Where... Wait, do we, we, still need to, we still need to talk about stuff at the sheriff's station. We we are, oh yeah. This is that's why this is the weirdest cut possible, because it doesn't oh right oh right doesn't announce right, right, right. itself as a right. parallel run. You just right. cut right to Leo and Wyndham Earl at the cabin, where he's upset about Cooper not playing fair, and puts on some headphones. Then we're back at the sheriff station suddenly, <laughs> and we're just back to business as usual. Right. You're just wondering what, what what is he listening to? Yeah, I, the first time I saw that, I was like, "What is the point of this four second cut?" Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So the so the bonsai tree is not from Josie, which would have been weird anyway. Mm-hmm. How? I don't know. Oh, well, you know how dead people give out gifts. I know. Yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar with the service. I understand. Look, how I it received works. gifts from the dead. It happens. Yeah, it yeah. it does happen. Posthumous yeah, deliveries from, are a thing. But yeah, it's from Wyndham Earl, and he's listening through a uh, secret microphone in the uh, bonsai tree. Which, man, I mean, that must have some serious range. I mean, I don't doubt the guy, you know, if he used to work for the FBI. Right. I'm sure he's still got some sweet hookups. I doubt it. Um, but I don't know how far in the woods he is from the sheriff station, you know, either. I mean, also consider the year. So this would be yeah. at this point, yeah, yeah or, or around eighty nine, where a large, a long range transceiver like this is yeah. much bigger than a bonsai plant. Like we're talking, yeah. like but a walkie talkie size. Yeah, <laughs> something. I want to make a phone out of a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> we had a funeral for a bird. Oh my god! Pretty Waldo? sure none of that's real. No, Waldo, <laughs> the bird. Um. Yeah. What I love most about the scene, you know, Gordon Cole comes in and he gives, uh, he's got this, you know, classified dossier of, you know, Wyndham Earl for mm-hmm. Coop to check out. Yeah. Um, but he mentions uh, that, you know, he left the mental institution uh, and he was on Haloperidol, uh, which mm-hmm. is the same drug that Philip Gerard, the one-armed man, used. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that, just bringing that back in. It's just a nice, you know trigger of the twin peaks of the past that we've been missing for so long these last yeah. <laughs> several episodes yeah 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 um and there's so a immediately of, i'm drawn in like oh yes okay we're getting back to this awesome there's a there's a firm mention of lara too this episode that yeah it's great which, which is important right now because by the time we get to the end of the season it's all going to come full circle for sure we have to touch back on these points that have at this point been yeah. glossed over and yeah they've just been about. yeah it's crazy that so much was just cast aside and you know the last few episodes just weren't leaning on anything that made every mm-hmm. everyone fall in love with the show to begin with 
So it's nice to see that like, okay, we're starting to get back on track. <laughs> it's important now more than ever to reconnect with what got you started here. But it could have also just been they were really like shooting for, hey, we should maybe try to get renewed for another season. Right. And not be phoning it in. But yes, uh, so Wyndham Earl was using the same drug as Mike, as we know him. Mike. And this is <laughs> real schizoid maneuvering. Uh, we're also learning that Earl was involved with Project Blue Book with Garland Briggs. Well, either directly with or adjacent to. But another, they were on the same project. flat earther. Yeah, yeah so what do you think, Tyler? Do you think they're work- they've, they've worked together previously? Maybe. Maybe he was wearing one of his disguises. <laughs> Maybe he was indemoral. <laughs> There may, in fact, be some linkage there. Oh, we're we talking about linkages. Linkage Park. Oh, we're talking about linkage. Linkage Park. What? What do you <laughs> want to know about linkage? Well, I don't know what I want to know about it, but I know that it reminds me of breakfast sausage, <laughs> which sounds like a great idea right now. That actually doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. So the word linkage reminds me of sausages. Never liked link sausages, though. Prefer patties. But uh, this is where it, it, this is where it kind of seemed apparent to me that Gordon is aware that the bonsai tree is bugged because <laughs> he like, yells at it because he screams into it bonsai. Because <laughs> Gordon Gordon is the one that uh, showed Wyndham that trick. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I what if that would I mean, be so who knows? cool? I mean, That'd be maybe. great continuity. Um, it's like oh, the classic bonsai tree Mike trick. But it but it doesn't surprise you either that Gordon Cole might just like talking to things he may just scream at every plant he finds (laughs) because it isn't rare for him to just scream in general so kind of like an opposite pokemon he just screams the name of things into them yeah yeah yes um so now um windomerl has hearing loss (laughs) he does i can only assume damnation (laughs) he he definitely has his cochlea rattled yeah but uh, i think my favorite part about this whole scene with gordon cole is the fact that coop is back in black yeah it's, it's great to see him uh invited back to duty mm. at the fbi duty look Ooh. the number one thing is duty the number two thing is also duty number three thing is do do so do coop is presented with a shiny new gun they're going to pursue, pursue capture and incarcerate Wyndham earl uh, anybody have anything to say about the cabin coming up here um, kind of card trick. Yeah, I, I, it, how how do he do that? <laughs> <laughs> he has Look, Leo the draw. Never reveals his secrets. Yeah, he has Leo draw three cards, and they all and they all happen to be the right ones: uh, a queen with Shelly's face, a queen with Donna's face, and a queen with Audrey's face. And then he has him draw one more, and it's Cooper's face on king, mm-hmm. a king, a king. Ah, yeah. who shall be the king? Of course, King ah. Coop. King Koopa. Koopa. Little Dale. <laughs> so we also have to decide a queen of hearts. And mm-hmm. it seems like this will be decided by the winner of the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Yep. Queen of hearts. Two hearts that beat as one. And the Miss Twin Peaks competition comes with a, a myriad of rewards. There's a scholarship. There's a cash prize. You get to die. Are, yeah, we, think- are we afraid for anybody's... Possible demise? Anybody? Yes. Who? Just Audrey. Shelly. No. What? Yes. Pat, you worried about Shelly? I've always been worried about Shelly. 
No. Where's Bobby? Bobby's not even in this episode. Bobby's not there to protect her. She needs me. Shelly tried to commit insurance fraud. Yes. And she makes fun of grieving fathers. You gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, in that in that instance, I think that uh, Shelly's good to go. I'm 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 okay with cutting that tie. Not me, ma'am. She hasn't really had a a redeeming moment just yet. Uh, she's still kind of a garbage individual. I don't think so. I mean, there's someone out there who has a really hard time hearing, and she might be the only voice that they can hear. So I you think that's pretty special. Right. Eileen rolls in and goes all the way down the hall to Ben Horn. Donna follows Ish. She's uh, kind of keeping tabs on her mom, but also wants to speak with Audrey. But uh, we get our, our old friend, the check-in clerk. Randy the Meyer St. Croix. Randy the Meyer St. Croix. <laughs> who is letting uh, Mike and Nadine check out. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> uh, apparently, Mike's night was unbelievable, and I couldn't help but shudder at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, I don't even know. He's Resilient? going through something. <laughs> sure. But yeah, Nadine is way into it. Uh, Donna gets greeted three or four times before all is said and done as everybody makes their way out. Donna, hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much more subdued <laughs> Mike. Donna, hi. Yeah, hi. Mike seems a lot happier these days. He does. Yes. When he was with Donna, he was very angry. <laughs> that is very true. Donna! Maybe this is a good thing for Mike. Uh, maybe. I mean, at least Do for his personality. Know, can we verify Nadine's age versus Mike Nelson's age at this point? I think 15 years. What? Fifteen year spread. No. I think I think so. What do you think, Tyler? We're taking we'll, we'll take bets. What? No, you think she's like thirty three? No, thirty five. Oh yeah, he's in, he'd be like eighteen. Okay, so thirty three. Yeah, but I was thinking more thirty five. You think Nadine's thirty five? Sure. So we know for sure Mike Nelson is eighteen. Yes. We're gonna find out. Uh, Nadine, do you want to take any guesses before we? How old she is? For a reveal? Yeah. I'm going to toss out 36. I think Nadine is 36. Tyler? What? <laughs> I think she's like at least 42. <laughs> okay. See, I wanted to go under 40, but on the, on the back end, and I thought There's my no happy medium was going to be right around 36. Well, we'd, we're going to find out. Okay, so in real, life, in real life, she was born in... Uh, Wendy Roby was born in October of 1953. October 6, yep. 1953. Yep. So that yep. would put her at 36 in this show, if we were going oh, off her real age. Really? Uh, her character was born January 25th, 1954, so that puts her at 35. Oh, that's right on it. How old is Ed? <laughs> I would think he's a little older. I'd say he's probably. F- I'd say well, he's I mean, he'd five be, years. He'd be their. He'd be their same age though in the show. But I think in real life he might be a little older, but not much older. Yeah, but give me Everett McGill. What's Everett McGill's age? Yeah, v yeah, yeah. Margot Robbie. Um, hang on. Let me. Uh, did you just say Margot Robbie? I said. 
<laughs> Wendy Roby. Sorry. Oh, man. Versus um, Wendy Roby. So Everett McGill was born October 21st, 1945. So nearly mm. 10 years older. Yikes. Yeah, so he would have been, when he filmed the show, he would have been... 44? No, but I was 44. Yeah, 44. Yeah, 44. <clears throat> playing what 38 um, the character the character was born october 26th 1950 so he would have been a senior when she was a freshman fresh woman fresh person i'm this is so funny it just says on here it just says ed hurley aka big ed and fred <laughs> fred the prince <laughs> So yeah, okay. so now we now that we know their ages, um, I'm oh, sorry. We're, I guess I could need to go to Mike now. Yeah, we need to figure out Mike. You can get the exact uh, Gary Hirschberger. <laughs> the Hirsch. Mike Nelson. <laughs> the Hirschberger. Um, Gary Hirschberger was born Hirschberger. April fifth, nineteen sixty four. So that's just ten years younger than um, Wendy in real life. Oh, okay. Let's say the character uh, does not have a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but we can Maybe only he... assume he's the same age as Bobby, unless he got held back. Like, here's the thing about time and Twin Peaks. Yeah, here's the thing about time and Twin Peaks. Yeah, Bobby was born December tenth, nineteen sixty nine. <laughs> nice. So I mean, he would be. <laughs> so even he he would be twenty in eighty nine, or he'd be nineteen. Yeah, he hadn't turned twenty yet. So he got held back, and he's a burnout. You and your burnout friends. Because <laughs> they always play younger people. Yeah, well, Dana Ashbrook's pretty close. He was born, Mike's a few years older than him. Dana Ashbrook was born May 24th, 1967. Yeah, this is super common. Like, look at... Well, Audrey's, Audrey's the biggest one, though. I mean, she was like 25 in this show. Like, I'm 33, and today if I shaved, I could still play a high schooler in a CW series. I could not. I wouldn't want to. But you will. I will. Mila Kunis played an older... <laughs> That's older true. person that's, that's true show. it's true um all right we need to we're getting super derailed no we're not keep all this in <laughs> but uh so as we get away from uh donna being greeted several times and trying to figure out why her mother might be meeting up with ben horn then we cut to uh ben and eileen who apparently do have some history they do donna is ben's daughter oh it's really weird of you to assume that why would i not assume that <laughs> Yeah, that's a super fair assumption. Yeah, I know. Like, what else would this conversation be about? Right. And a page right out of Harry Truman's book, Ben starts to move in on Eileen, who, for one, is wheelchair-bound, <laughs> and two, is not about it. She's not. She he's used like, to be. He's like, come on, baby, how about one more go around? Yeah. Take like, me no, for a no. It's like he thinks his honesty and truthfulness is going to get him some. Well, you tell the hardest truth first. Yeah, well, he does truth. learn that, yeah. Yeah. Did he get that from Harry Truman's book? True man? No. He is not honest about his feelings. <laughs> so Audrey invites Donna into her horny hidey hole and is like, this is where we pull off parts of the wall to spy on people. This is just a thing I do. It's fine. Into her Triple H. Time to play the game! <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who maybe doesn't watch professional wrestling, that <laughs> yeah. is uh, just a snippet of Triple H's entrance music. <laughs> Performed by Motorhead. But uh, does anybody else feel like the view from the, the peephole looks like a pair of lips? Oh, I see that right now. Yeah, right? Also, I was going to ask, does, this does, I was gonna ask does, does the view change? I can't remember. I feel like we get different angles. 
oh, slightly sure different angles <laughs> yeah of the uh hidey hole the triple h sorry it's almost like this room has no doors because you can access a peephole from any point in the room mm. yeah well, it wouldn't it surprise me way, if right? she just if she had multiple holes <laughs> yes that wouldn't surprise anyone <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, all right, we're going to get to one of the weirder plot points here. What, what's the next scene? Oh, we're back to the double R. Oh, yes. And, Man, I'm excited uh, to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some weird stuff that goes on here. Uh, this is one of the weirder plot points for me in the episode. Uh, so, uh, Gordon has his own hangover cure. He does. It's pretty similar to Coop's. It's, it's very similar to Coop's. Which is, uh, again, and this is another Cole. thing where I'm like, did Cooper learn this trick from 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 Cole? <laughs> guaranteed, absolutely it guaranteed. It makes sense, right? Yes. He immediately takes notice of Shelley, but before that, he says something about a, ordering a steak so rare that you can sell it at yes. Tiffany's. Yeah, you and can I do order not it at Tiffany's. Know what this means? Tiffany's uh, was a jewelry store. I don't know if yes. it still is. Uh, what does that have to do is. with meat? So it still is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tiffany's is like a very prominent jewelry dealer. Okay. What does this have to do with steak? Does Tiffany's carry rare diamonds? Yes. So then that's just what he means. The steak is rare, like the diamonds that are rare that you could buy at Tiffany's. Yes. But I don't understand. If I go into Tiffany's looking for jewelry, can I order yes. a steak? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, Dave. <laughs> No. So Gordon is very into Shelly. Uh, she's the kind of girl that makes you wish you spoke a little French. Um, Gordon uh, says that Shelly reminds her of the Venus de Milo statue. The babe without the arms. Yeah, the Greek statue of Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty. The name was Milo, but that's not the point. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, Cole. And that uh, he's going to go try his hand at a little counter Esperanto. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> And with Cooper's blessing, they shake hands and he sends him up there. Amazing. And it turns out that Shelly Johnson is the one person that Gordon Cole can hear clear as a bell. It's amazing. Without his hearing aids. This is like one of those magical things in Twin Peaks that, you know, you have you have the log lady who's obviously gifted with hearing what her log with has to wood. say. She's connected to the to the woods. Sure. Then you, you so Shelly, it's like, yeah, what is there something there? Or is it really just no. I mean, I don't know that anyone... Oh, there's definitely something there, Tyler. I mean, don't even get me started. I would... I don't... Tell me. Tell I'm me getting, what it is. I'm, I'm flushed. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like Patrick has beef here. I spoke here. a little French. No, I don't. Well, I don't. Did, I'm just saying... I'm just not. saying that I think it's... I think it's great. I think there's... There's something more to Shelly because, I mean, clearly, Gordon Cole can't hear anyone, but he can hear her. Okay, well, I've got beef. All right, let's hear it. This doesn't make sense. Gordon Cole and Shelley and this attraction, this approach doesn't make sense. This is David Lynch looking for an excuse to Mac on Magin Amic. I am convinced <laughs> of this, oh, and so I will beef not is be just swayed. Jealous rage. I don't My, think so. I, well, I mean, yeah, I've read several jealousy. things. I mean, I've read several things about this. I mean, she's she loved doing this scene. I don't, and and also he was not. Before you say he wrote it, I mean, I know that he's one of the creators, but he was not a writer on the show. He was not the director of this episode. That doesn't mean he wasn't calling some shots on set. Oh, I agree. Oh, no, I, I totally... I you know totally what would be funny? Hear that. <laughs> you know what would be hysterical? <laughs> but I could also see this being a play... Made out. I could see this being a play of Gordon... 
on I could see screen. This, I could see this being a play of of this is a part of Gordon Cole's character. I could totally see this being a thing that he uses uh, to maybe and also maybe I don't know. This is something we could speculate more down the line, but maybe he actually doesn't have a hearing problem and he uses it to cover up. I mean, we've talked about that before, I think already, you know, maybe he's, maybe he, well, yeah, Dave said it, I think once, or maybe I did, but we said it something like maybe he was speaking loud, you know, sir, you know, or saying something totally off topic, you know, to, for someone to hear, you know, not really what they were talking about or something like that. Something along those lines. Like but I could totally a waste of time. I could totally see it being a part of his character to use this as a pickup line. Not a pickup line, but you know what I mean. He's using this as an attempt to pick up a girl saying that he can hear them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's true. Or it could be that David Lynch is a man <laughs> it could be. who appreciates a beautiful woman and be. wanted an excuse in his own TV series to get closer be. to said beautiful woman. It could be. Or uh, why <laughs> Thomas Eckhart would want Truman dead was because of uh, sexual jealousy. I think that is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and also just from everything I've seen, too, from all the BTS, I mean, David Lynch goes above and beyond out of his way to make sure all of his actors are extremely comfortable doing all of their scenes before. He would never, I feel like, have them do something he wouldn't, you know. She looks back very fondly on all of this. Um, so I'm just, that's that's all. Take a good look, Sonny. It's going to happen again. <laughs> Sorry, that's later. Sorry, Tyler. That's wow. would you, why I, would you do I, that? I jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. <laughs> why did you do that? God. I am out of here. Don't get out of here. Time to play the game. That's my outro music. But no, when when Gordon Cole does approach Shelly, he actually scares her with his hello. <laughs> because it's so good. loud and so abrasive. Actually, speaking of, you know, these two as well, I was reading I don't watch Riverdale. I don't know if either of you do. I don't either. I know no. that Madge is on Riverdale. But right, I've right, never right. Seen it. Uh, so I guess like the season finale airs this week and she, it's the first time she's ever directed anything. And oh. I know that she got a ton of advice from David Lynch about her first oh, directorial Make scenes long. Episode. Make them really long. <laughs> Have a monkey in them. <laughs> if it seems like a good idea, just do it. Go yes. with your heart. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because it was relevant to this week. And Certainly. the two people that we're currently talking about. Yeah. I would like to bring up the fact that last week I forgot to name the soup of the day. Oh, oh. yeah. Let us have that. It was wall-eyed pike chowder. Wall-eyed pike chowder. Yes, that is a type of fish. Gotcha. Mm. Are you sure it wasn't supposed to be Wally's pike chowder? I, I thought I thought maybe. So that's a double. It's not. It's a kind of is. Kind of is. How is that Might a be. double? Because you just want to hear it. Let's just have it one time. <laughs> yeah, Gordon Cole orders coffee. He orders a lot of pie. Orders, massive, yeah. massive quantities. Massive quantities of pie and some water because uh, he's feeling a little hot. Yep. Uh, we Dude, also the, Cole is just the king of the lines in this. He's scene. killing the one-liners in this episode for sure. Uh, in the same in the same swoop, we are still at the Double Hour Diner, and we have Annie Blackburn as she is serving Coop and Harry at their table. Uh, Harry is curious about any hangover cures she might have to offer. She recommends teetotaling and prayer. Classic. Nunnery. Yeah, and just right now, I'm going to look up what teetotaling is. According to Google, it is the practice of promotion or com- 
of complete personal abstinence from alcoholic beverages. So mm. abstinence. Abstinence from the alcohol. Teetotaling. Hmm. So she basically says, don't drink and pray. Perfect. Why so, didn't I think of that? Uh, once again, I've got beef. I got beef. I love chicken pot pie. Oh, yeah, me too. I love chicken pot pie. Yeah. I love that Truman orders a chicken pot pie. Yeah. I am upset that he orders with it a glass of milk. Yeah, he sucks. Why milk? Look, um, chicken pot pie is heavy. It sits heavy in your stomach. It is delicious. It is wonderful. But you have all sorts of sauces and cheeses and dense amounts of chicken and veggies just sitting in your gut. Why would you do this to yourself? Why would you also introduce dairy? And why would you do it in the form of milk, which you consume on top of it? It's all just going to become a gelatinous mass. It just sits there for days. It's going to soak up all that alcohol. Get a burger. Get a burger burger and fries. Get grease to sober up. Don't just load yourself down with density and carbs. Just carbs and milk and dairy. Truman, leave. <laughs> leave. So as Annie is serving them and taking their order, uh, Cooper offers a joke. He does. Or a half of a joke. Yes. It was It was not that great. It wasn't that great, and I was really expecting the punchline to pay off. In which I was too. This is one of those things that it kind of all has to happen in the same instance. Right. I kind really of loved I, I I kind of loved that it was bad because he was still so giddy over it and she also <laughs> laughed at it while Truman was just staring at him and I do like that the we got the reverse here where Truman, you know, saw through to him this time and was like, "Oh, so how long have you been in love with her?" And that was a great call back to the beginning of the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said it sure. to him about Josie. So, Harry, how long have you been True. in love with Josie? Amazing. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And not the first time that we've had a role reversal with uh, Truman and Coop. So here we have it again. He gives it right back to him. It's awesome. Very, very cool part. So uh, when we cut back to, to Gordon and Shelly at the counter, she asks if he would like some more pie, a whole pie. I, just, I wish somebody would offer me more of stuff this way. Yeah. They both, uh, Cooper and Cole have the same metabolism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do like that we kind of got some of the uh, Cooper quirkiness back from kind of the earlier episodes as well, where he just got so excited about seeing a chickadee out the <laughs> yeah. window. Yeah. On a Dodge Dart. Is that a chickadee on a Dodge Dart? <laughs> I just I just thought that was so funny. It's just one of those so funny and so random things that like does not have to be here, does not have to be mentioned. You think uh, bird watching is something that he picked up from Pete? Might be. That actually you know what? Yeah. I like that a lot. You're right, that that might be it. I think them spending a little bit of time together is maybe rubbing off on him a little bit. It's just showing that Cooper is still more and more getting into kind of the lifestyle around Twin Peaks. He's, oh, yeah. he's planning to be here for a while. Uh, I would like to point out that he's doodling on a napkin. And when Annie comes back around, she mentions that it looks just like the drawing at the Owl Cave. But the Owl Cave. this drawing is supposed to be a combination of Garland Briggs's tattoo and Log Lady's tattoo. And it's not. No, it's definitely different. He, it's not. He changed the triangles. Different. He changed the triangles into diamonds. The triangles are now diamonds. They are not in a circular formation. They are stacked on top of one another. And maybe this is so that they will fit perfectly into the Log Lady's Twin Peaks tattoo. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a continuity error that I had a hard time getting around. Yeah. Like there there was a way to combine the two and make it a, a functional thing. They just decided to completely change the design. 
Yeah. We're, we're expected to believe that this is a combination of the two tattoos. It so could we'll have been a thing that. where Lynch came back and was like, no, no, this is what it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they mentioned that uh, the drawing that Cooper made is the same one as one that is found in the owl cave, which is the first we're hearing of this. Yeah. And I love that it comes from Annie of all people. I love that. No one like Annie Blackburn off the top rope. She's just uh, kind of the sleeper hit. I just don't know how no one else. Yeah. But I mean, I like that because it, it, I think her saying that too, gives, gives Cooper almost even more attract. He's already obviously attracted to her, but this, this gives him even more attraction because it's just like, Oh, you know about what I've (laughs) drawn on this napkin. She's a, she's a nun in a million. Hmm. (laughs) the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's go to the Hayward House. Hayward Household. <laughs> yeah, so we get a little taste of our favorite, our favorite com- composition to come out of oh. the Twin Peaks musical universe. We've got a, yeah. in the background, we have the instrumental version of James's smash hit, Just You. Yes. As Donna Number opens a note that's seven cities. Because that's how we communicate. We use notes. But uh it's a postcard. Yeah. It's postmarked Los Angeles, June nineteen seventy-three. James is on his way to Mexico. But don't worry, honey, he'll be back. <laughs> Just like Big Ed predicted all those episodes ago. <laughs> yep. so he'll be back. He'll be back. So I I had a little moment where I laughed at myself because uh Doc Hayward walks in and goes, James? <laughs> I wanted Donna to go, no, dad, it's me, Donna. Yeah. Like, was he like snooping on her? Like, how would he know that? I mean, who else is going to send her anything? Unless it's Wendy Merle, which we've already decided is not welcome there. But uh, she wants to know how her mom knows Ben. And Doc is really dodgy. Very he dodgy. He knows. Yeah. Then he gets, he's super he's defensive. Not daughter. He, he definitely yeah, well, knows. He gets, yeah, and he gets super defensive at the end. He's just like, mm-hmm. just drop it. <laughs> Like, that's like, where she doc. said she was going. That's what is happening. Shut up, my daughter. It's not his only daughter. my daughter. He has so much resent resentment towards her. Yeah, Doc seems a little hot about this. He yeah. he for Just sure. Leave knows. alone. I didn't want you in the first place, but I've put up with you with all these years. Gersten and Harriet are my only <laughs> yeah. real daughters. They're the successful ones. They're the prodigies. <laughs> I've got a poet One's and a, a musician. Poet. What have you ever done? <laughs> One's a pianist. One's a poet. A pianist. <laughs> a pee-pee. A poet-pianist duo. So, yeah, for sure, Doc knows that. What what Tyler already called, like, Donna is not his daughter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and speaking but, uh, of poetry. Yes? Uh, we're about to be introduced to a bit of a poet, a poetry professor. Well, real quick, <clears throat> before we get before. there. No, oh, there's something else. There's a ring at the doorbell. Somewhere. Which Donna answers oh, right. and receives a gorgeous bouquet of roses. They're addressed to Eileen, but there is no note. And Donna kind of takes them and gives her dad a look. Like, I'll put them in water. I'll put them in water, dad? Question mark. <laughs> that was that adoptive was quite, father. That was quite some timing. Right, yeah. It was. She probably staged it. 
Uh, but yeah, we're going to go to the library. Library question Speaking mark? of poetry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't yeah. really know that the library was a, a functioning establishment. I thought that was what the book house was. But no, the... <laughs> a house of books. A house of books, yeah. <clears throat> but no, the library is a separate place altogether. And Audrey's there. Uh, and it is. bumps into a poet. Patrick, you want to tell us about this poet? And this is Edward Perkins. Uh, he's <laughs> Edward a professor Perkins. of poetry. Do you want to tell um, me why this, why they couldn't restore this scene? I don't know. So I, there, I, I don't have the exact info on that. So there is a scene where it's not, you know, fully, the quality is not, uh, I don't even know what the right word. I mean, I don't know if HD is the right word, but it's not restored it's not to the, its, it's not the, same the highest resolution. quality of everything else. Yeah. I, I feel like it might be, I don't want to misspeak, but I feel like it might be in, um, there's a little mini documentary about season two on the, uh, and all the Twin Peaks, the newer Twin Peaks box sets, and the one from, I don't know, 15 years ago. But Mark Frost, I think, talks about it. For some reason, I feel like he talks about it. There were only a few scenes that, for some reason, the film um, was lost or something when they were restoring these episodes. Because um, I, I don't know if you guys realize, too, like, these episodes were... You, you really couldn't even find Twin Peaks episodes from almost, like, when they aired, unless someone had them on a VHS until the dvd release in like 2006 or 7 like the full seasons wow. so there was like this long period of like you didn't have twin peaks in like great quality um <clears throat> and i think he talks about it on there because that makes sense if that's when the dvd came out but even that this i guess this and you can't really tell and it kind of works for effect wise but the scene with garland briggs in the chair the one that freaked tyler out that was also because they couldn't get it restored <laughs> the one that starts with briggs mm-hmm. in the chair um, yeah. I know he mentions those specifically. I don't, can't remember if there's any others, but it was just, I don't know. It was one of those just weird things where it was just lost for some reason. But I mean, thank God it wasn't more. Yeah. You know, I can deal with it, especially for a scene like not like this. That's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, it's just the first, the first, yeah, part it's the of first the little, scene. yeah. Like the first wide shot of them. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I hope that explains a little bit of that. It does. A little bit, yeah. It gives a little, I wish I had little prepared context. <laughs> okay. So uh, I did appreciate, uh, as Audrey bumps into definitely not Wyndham Earl, definitely the librarian that works here regularly. Yes. Uh, it, it's Wyndham Earl. It's Wyndham Earl in another disguise. Wait. What? What? <laughs> this is a twist. This is Edward Pokens. <laughs> Edward Perkins. Pokens? <laughs> The poetry god. I was trying to say poetry in Perkins. Edward Pokins, <laughs> the poetry god. Why? I don't believe you. This is Wyndham Earl in disguise. He's full creep. And he is full creep. Is. Right here, this is like almost him at his creepiest to me. He's like having her read <laughs> that poem. You, you read it. Yeah, that was the... And I'll yeah, finish that it was weird for me. That was definitely for him. Yeah, and then so, he just says Shelly at the end, which I know he's doing intentionally to freak her out. Yep. Um, yeah. And she totally gets freaked out. You can tell. Mm-hmm. She's over so, this this vibe. Yeah, strong acting. Um, but he's by like, Cheryl no, no, that's. Oh yeah, playing all he's the like, emotions. He's like, no, no, that's 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 the author. <laughs> yeah, and then so he creepy. finishes it for her. So creepy. He, yeah. he definitely just wanted to hear her do it, but I feel like he didn't get exactly what he wanted. Like I think he wanted a sensual reading of the poem from her. I think he did. He has her read the poem. He finishes it. And then says, he, it's almost like he's calling her Shelly. He's like, ah, yes, Shelly. Yeah. And the look on her face yeah. is like, I'm not Shelly. We're like, to who you quote the verse of Shelly, that's the author. 
For a second, I thought he screwed like, up, got messed confused. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did too. I'd be like, oh, it's like, oh man, you're slipping. That would have been a major. <laughs> that would have been a major slip up for him. I said, uh, excuse been. me, you are not the lady I meant to creep out this evening. <laughs> Let me go find the correct one. <laughs> oh, you're not chilly. Whoops, my bad. I will catch you later. <laughs> Be ready for me. I will look different. Uh, you will. But uh, the fact that this is a poem by an author named Shelley uh, makes me wonder, was this all planned from the beginning? Like, were we intended sure. to have this, like, poetry serial killer guy come in to play? Or was this poem just sure. picked at random because the author had the last name Shelley? Could be both. Could be a coincidence. Could be a bit of both. Could be. But uh, doubles aside, let's go to the double R. I mean, it's also what Shelley, I mean, Shelley read um, mm. at the Roadhouse. Right. Roadhouse. No, at the double R, we've got uh, Shelley and Annie, and they're uh, kind of going over the finer details of the Miss Twin Peaks competition, something that yeah. Shelley does seem into and Annie does not. No, but. And she Annie's also says she's win. not into Cooper. <laughs> she oh, you think, you think Annie's going to win? I think she's going to win. I think she's okay. going to be into Cooper, and I think Wyndham's going to kill her because because that's just good that storytelling. Likes what? So because that's just good storytelling. Yes, but she's not into the contest. So she's not even she remotely interested. It doesn't matter. She's going to somehow get into it. Okay, because he's going to end up killing somebody that Coop loves. Diane. It's going to be no. Is she the fourth queen? So stay this tuned. Is, this is a wacky connection that I have with this scene. And Patrick just gave me the perfect in for it. So uh, did you guys ever watch Cheers? Cheers? Yes. Back in the day. <laughs> so also, Tyler, do you think that Annie is Diane? No. Diane? Diane? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> so there is an episode of Cheers where Diane Chambers yes. Ent yes. enters into a very Miss Twin Peaks-like competition for barmaidens around the city. And that actress's name is Shelley Long. And she mm. does end up winning the competition. And I she like enters that. as a mousy, like very conservative contestant who ends up beating out all these other quote-unquote floozies for the title. It's just a very significant parallel to me. Yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. That's awesome. Thanks. I enjoyed bringing it up. I'm glad I could uh, help you bring it up. Uh, back at the station, it's Andy Impossible. It's fitting, because we ended last episode with Tom Cruise. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. He's preparing to do some uh, spelunking. Some spelunking. 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 So spelunking. Spelunking. Two questions about his entrance into the scene here. So you have a shot. Where the hell was he? Yeah, you're. You <laughs> have the view from Lucy's desk into the police station. You have mm -hmm. a black rope just dropped from the ceiling, and then. Mm -hmm. Slowly down comes Andy on this rope. Yeah, where did he come from, and what is he anchored yes. to? I have no idea. It's Harold Smith hanging himself all over again. Where is, is the top of this building? Oh my gosh! 
Again, the show is irresponsible. Irresponsible. Andy's yeah. just trying to impress and her. And Lucy seems to once again be on Andy's side in the whole Andy V. Dick fiasco. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Oh, man, Lucy has a great line here. Hit us with a pat. They might remember it. The line is, uh, a certain dick <laughs> yes. we both know. Unlike a certain dick we both know. <laughs> man. Also a strong contender for a line. And uh, as Andy's coming down, he just mentions that keeping the peace is part of his job. And as uh, he's... He's coming down. He kind of does the elevator gag down behind the desk. He <laughs> yeah. just kind of slowly disappears the way you would walk down <laughs> behind a couch. Act like you hit a button. Uh, yes. And that's a... It was It was weird. It's a pretty effective segue from Lucy's chessboard to Harry's chessboard. Also, Lucy's still playing chess, just on her own. <laughs> at yeah. her desk. She's going to be really good. She's going to be really, really good. I love that. Going to be a grand man. You think she's going to be the uh, the linchpin at the end of it? That egg- <laughs> Yeah, that beats Winter Merle. I think so. I think so. Lucy's gonna come in clutch at the at the. It would not here. shock me. <laughs> She's the fourth queen. So, uh, Shelley apparently took Gordon Cole to see the doctor about his hearing. Yeah. So it seems like they latched onto him pretty quick. Seems like they're getting a little seen. chummy. Yeah. Also, can you not go to the doctor to get your hearing checked by yourself? No, you have to have someone drive you there. Do you? Do you though? Not in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Your hearing is impaired. Also, she wants to take her to the right. best. What? And that's Doc Hayward. Yeah. Yes. Leading OBGYN, audiologist, physician, you name it. Midwife. Midwife. Doula. <laughs> Doula oblongata. <laughs> Let's talk about one of the weirder, oh. the other weirder transition in this episode, which we which we have. I initially thought this was going to be the entrance to the Owl Cave. Like, I thought the Owl Cave was like this tourist attraction that just had... <laughs> like a boat ride yeah well that just had these like (laughs) these like features around it and then you have like buffalo as like the twin peaks mascot maybe i don't know you just you put up some like no they're steeplejacks it's like like around here we have rock city and you just put up a whole bunch of signs and gnomes and it's weird and i thought this was just kind of their equivalent like come see the owl cave if you're coming to twin peaks again it was just the first cooper was hearing about it which is why it came up it was a surprise to him. So we just had these like buffalo laying around or not even actual buffalo, but like silhouettes of Technicolor buffalo, like just like cut out and placed all around these falls. Silhouettes. But this is actually just uh, Johnny Horn's arrow practice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite uh. running gag through the scene is that he's just <laughs> in the background doing these calls. Best part about that gag, it happens, you know, several times kind of at the beginning and it stops for a long time until the very, very end of the scene. It happens again. And that just killed me. That was so funny. Yeah, he's hunting these buffalo targets with these suction cup arrows. Classic. I love it. He's really good with them. Mm -hmm. He is really good. They actually soar. I could never get him to fly like that. He's really leaning into the Native American hunting culture. He is. Johnny Horn has found his calling. And it goes a little something like this. Yep. Uh, ben is still on his carrot kick. So he's he he's chomping down on fresh veggies uh, while he's talking with Audrey, and mm. we get another double here as he mentions Bobby as a as the president's advisor. Is that a double? I think so. Right. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I did think that you know, yeah, because he was talking about yeah, because he's been right. dealing with Bobby in the show. Yeah. But uh, he wants the unvarnished truth with anybody who is going to be his his go-to, his second-in-command. 
and he mm-hmm. believes that Audrey is going to be that for him. Which, what a turn. Like, I was just thinking about this scene, you know, and he gives her such a significant job to uh, fly to Seattle and all that. And it's like, man, what a turnaround <laughs> the Audrey Horn character has had from the pilot. I was just, because I always just yeah. think about her and the pilot, you know, like putting her pencil in the yeah. cup and causing, well, you know, well, she was just causing a ruckus around the Great Northern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously her, you know, teaming up with Coop in a way and trying to help him out mm-hmm. with, you know, his mission with the Laura Palmer case, he or she, you know, has yeah. found some direction. Um so I love that. It's just like, man, this character has actually come He's a very long calling? way since the pilot. For, since two, what, two weeks ago? How far are we? Three weeks? <laughs> what? Three weeks now. <laughs> since the <laughs> I think it's, well, let me see. This episode is March 21st. So it's about, it's almost a month. Gosh, this almost town a is month freaking busy. Since Laura Palmer died. <laughs> but uh, as Ben's talking to her, he mentions how he's been a poor father. And uh, actually, he's been a sleazy, rapacious heel. And I just said, yep. Yep. <laughs> Out loud to myself as I was watching the episode, just, yep. But uh, he mentions uh, the mistakes that he's made in his life and with Laura. So we finally get another mention of Laura Palmer. Yeah, love that mention. And it's again, great. this yeah. is the kind of thing you need to just remind yourself what the show is about. Oh, yeah. Well, also, like him just saying that even to her, I think it's very important to, you know, it's almost like the elephant in the room. It's yeah. like, come on, you need to, this needs to be talked about with Audrey, who was, you know, if if, if she wasn't her friend, I mean, she's at least yeah, her classmate. Not it's since... like, my God, like... When you really think about what what they did, it's not cool. Yeah, not and since so. she was recovered from One-Eyed Jacks have we even mentioned this between her and her father and Laura. Right. Like, it's got to come up. But uh, yeah. after saying all these things, like, he, he's regretful of the person he's been, and he he wants somebody who will... Yeah. Ben? And ben he wants somebody who will always give him the truth. <sighs> And he wants her to be his second in command, pretty much. And because of this, he's got her scheduled to leave in an hour for Seattle on a plane. No, Not a lot of time no. to prepare. And uh, speaking of poor timing, Jack's back. For real. So yep. as, as he comes in yep. during this conversation, uh, I got to wonder, what's the over-under on Audrey actually getting on the plane in an hour? Like, is she, she going to stick around? And <laughs> She certainly seemed... She's going. She definitely had a very like uh I don't yeah, because know this offer is this. very sudden. It's very out of nowhere. But she's probably yeah. just doubting herself. I, yeah, I could definitely see that. Like suddenly you have all this responsibility. No. That puts you on a plane. Nope. I don't right. think she'd want to disappoint her father nope. either. So yeah, so she takes off. Ben is here and he's like, <laughs> Hey man, I love your daughter. Yeah. It's a hard truth. John and Ben are talking and uh he asks oh, him yeah. how to be a good Billy man. Zane. He says, I don't know how to be good. What's your secret? And Jack is basically just like, well, always tell the truth and always yeah. tell the hardest truth first, which right. Ben seems to like. But uh, Jack's hard truth is that he is falling in love with Audrey, which is a lie. Obviously, it's a hard truth. Tyler, it's a Tyler. hard truth. I know a hard pill for Tyler to swallow as the president of the Billy Zane fan club. So Tyler, <laughs> as a zaniac and an, an Audrey file. Yes. I am the latter. How does this? How does the scene strike you? Are you going yet? to challenge Billy Zane to a fight? Yeah, one hundred percent. I will slam Evil <laughs> all over his face. <laughs> <clears throat> all 
Uh, we're actually going to go to the aforementioned Owl Cave. All right. Where Andy is not a great climber. Yeah. No. No. All he has to do is hand over hand for a short distance, but he can't, can't even hand all that. I thought it was going to like zoom out or go to a wide shot and he was going to be like a foot off the ground or something. Which would have like, been Andy, very on brand. Why, why were they? But yeah. What was he climbing? Was he, was he, or was he, was he, I couldn't understand. Was he trying to climb down? Like, were they coming it seems down? It like he was the sidling cave? across a gap, but. Because why? Because why did they even need to be right there? Hawk led them where they needed to go. Why? What were they doing right there? Also, if that's where they came in, Wyndham Earl didn't need any sort of gear yep. to get in there later. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, he rode on yep. the owl's back. I think Andy yeah. overprepared and underperformed. Which is Andy. That is that sounds Andy. like Andy. Yeah, yeah he, he's doing this hand-over-hand sidling to what I thought was going to be to clear a gap and like maybe set up a, a rope swing. Like, hey, I, I'm on this end. I got you. We're secure. Swing over now. The bridge to Terabithia style. But mm. instead, he was just on the wall for <laughs> who knows why reason and falls off of it so that everybody else can just walk up to him. Uh, Hawk mentions that he rumored or he had heard rumors as a child that the cave was haunted by fierce ghosts. Yes. But Truman seems to think it was haunted by beer drinkers. It's a very specific kind of ghost. So they do come across a symbol on the wall that is identical to Coop's drawing, which is not the tattoos. No, it's and not. The only difference is, is uh, there's, there's a flame, a flame above, above them. Yes. This. You might say it's symbol. fire. So I would never say fire, that. as in Hawk with me, as in Hawk with that's, me. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> fire Hawk with me. We come across this cave drawing, which is just a bunch of it's lines. Just a bunch of lines. It's not the tattoos, that's, but it is Coop's drawing. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Like at least the mountains are kind of similar, but the like the rest of it is not. The other tattoo. It's like we just decided it was going to be diamonds because after the fact, they were like, oh, these don't actually go together. Yeah. It's like they found this in the cave after they made those yeah. tattoos. It's like he'd already seen it and then after the fact was able to draw it. Because if you're just going off the two tattoos we have seen, you cannot produce this image. That's what we got. Then we have a, a, a sort of owl jump scare. That's yeah. very, very sudden, but subtle because it's just a slow motion owl turning its head. <laughs> yeah, but don't worry. Andy's going to put a pick yeah, in Yeah, why is Andy's first instinct to murder the owl that's in the cave? It's the owl cave. There are going to be owls. With a pickaxe. But he, he just starts going ahead and swinging his pick. Just wants to get it out of the way. Yeah. But, but it's He's stuck. It's stuck in the wall. Yeah, and thus begins the next saga of National Treasure. The next saga, indeed. <laughs> uh, so he gets his pick stuck in the wall, and it apparently shakes loose part of the symbol, like one of the middle diamonds, to reveal a spindle that has a rune on it, which, ironically, is almost every Twin Peaks fan's tattoo. <laughs> yep. Yeah, two, tattoos the are the question, symbol. and this is where the tattoo comes from. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, it's a very easy, easy tattoo. tattoo. This diamond with two ears. Is it a dog? It might be the dog cave. We might be in the wrong place. <laughs> Dang. What if they saw that and they said, oh, no, pack, this, is pack actually, it up. this is actually the dog cave. Let's go. <laughs> Whoops. That's it. Owl caves, two caves this down. This is the dog with floppy ears cave. We, 
<laughs> We've hit the wrong symbol. I want to say okay, one yeah. more thing about the Alcave quick. Uh, just something I was reading about it that was kind of fascinating. So the Owl Cave is located at what's called the Bronson okay. Caves in Hollywood Hills. Um, and it's actually located right below the Hollywood sign, Ooh. which I thought was really cool. Uh, many um, different shows have, have shot there, but I was reading that um, it was used as the Bat Cave for the 1960s Batman uh, TV show. Oh, really? I don't remember yep. seeing this so, in there. You don't remember seeing the Owl no. Cave symbol? <laughs> Look closer. I will. That's all. I just wanted to very mention. Cool. I just thought that was really cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Let's go to the uh, Timber Room. The Great Northern Bar. The Timber Room. Yeah, back, back to, to the, the Great, Great Northern. Northern. The Great Northern Bar. Where Cooper is talking to someone. He I think. is for a second, but he's cut off because as he is dictating a note to Diane, he catches sight of Annie Blackburn. <laughs> Who the Who? hell is Diane? Wait. Oh, I think oh, we, well, we we'll, saw her We'll recently, get back right? to that. Uh what we're going to talk about right now, what? Tyler, okay. is that Annie would like a drink, but she's not sure what kind. She, no, she is not sure. She's heard about rum. I recommend, I don't recommend <laughs> rum and tonic. I, if, if I had to recommend yeah. a drink to her, I don't know how you couldn't give her one of the most famous drinks in all of Twin Something Beach. with uh, blue Caracal. <laughs> Uh, Yukon, right. what is that? Black, Black Yukon, Yukon Sucker, Sucker punch. punch. Sucker. Black this Yukon Sucker Punch. This was a prime Sucker opportunity punch. to offer Annie a Black Yukon Sucker Punch. <laughs> but maybe as a first-time drinker, that's not what you recommend because yep. it will sneak up on you. But yeah, Hoop wouldn't yeah Annie ends up drinking a rum and tonic purely by bartender suggestion. First one's on me because <laughs> you're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, this actually spotting Annie prompts Cooper to stop dictating his notes to Diane. So Because she's in the room already? Yeah, yeah he... Oh, are you starting to believe it now? No, I think that's preposterous. Diane, it's no, too obvious. Cooper takes a seat by Annie. Yeah, he does. And they, they start talking a little bit. Uh, this is kind of their bonding moment. Yeah, it is. I like this yeah, scene, too. I like this uh, scene. Cooper mentions that there are things that, given the chance, he might do differently. And Annie said that she would, too. And we get another look at her scar on her wrist. She mentions that she's afraid that she'll, well, presumably try suicide again. But... Cooper is going to be available to her anytime if she ever wants to talk about it. it and the scene plays out better than I just dictated it. It's <laughs> like that. That was a yeah. very condensed. Well, no, that's just, I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> synopsis of what happens here. I think a lot of people have their thoughts and feelings on Annie just because, you know, people liked the Cooper and Audrey pairing. And, you know, I totally, I totally get that, but I can't deny that. I think they have pretty good chemistry yeah. in this scene. It's nice to yeah. see a smitten coop. Like the, the relationship doesn't have a lot of gas yet. So it's it's a very innocent and get to know you sort of situation where it's not one person has an agenda over the other. It's just genuine interest. Like Annie's not trying to get involved with Cooper's cases. Yeah. She's not trying to get involved with his life. She just is there and he just is there and he's available to her. And she's got pasts. He's got a past. Yeah. And neither one of them necessarily have an agenda. And so it's a very genuine scene to me. Well said. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks. Uh, to close out the episode, we have a scene back in the Owl Cave where Wyndham is able to get exactly where everybody else was before with no gear. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just assume he heard them talking about this in his right. bonsai tree. Either that or he was in disguise in the background of a scene and we just didn't notice him as he was <laughs> as they were sussing out the location of the Owl Cave. He could have he been a biker in the quarter and we just right. didn't even see. He wasted a burger and we don't talk about it. I would have oh, caught would that, have yeah, seen for that. sure. But uh, no, he finds exactly where they were, and uh, he finds the spot in the wall where the spindle was revealed with the 
floppy-eared dog cave symbol. I got I got the feeling that he's seen this before. You would think, but he also has the uh, intuitiveness to kind of search around with his flashlight a little more to find the same symbol on the ceiling reversed. So he reversed. decides this is as good a time as any to try turning this upside down. <laughs> so he go. reaches in <laughs> to the space and grabs the spindle and turns it upside down because he finds the same symbol on the ceiling upside down. And this causes... The cave to shake. Andy's pickaxe pops out of the wall. It starts raining dust and credits. Yeah. Like, what just happened? Uh, I think yeah. he... Some shake, a whole lot of shaking going on down in the elk cave. cave. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think it's going to collapse like Hominoptra. Just like Bend, Oregon. <clears throat> Hominoptra. Are we talking Brendan Fraser mummy references? Yeah. I was telling Tyler when I when we were watching this last night, I always when I get to this episode, I always think that the episode ends with Cooper saying uh, his line "wonderful and strange," and then you know it then it's saying you know that this is the end of the episode with mm-hmm. the Mark Frost David Lynch. <laughs> but no, I always forget. There's just like more, two more yeah. quick scenes. Um, yeah, a little bit more, but I always think it ends yeah, right Harry, there. I don't know where, the, where this and, will lead us, um, but I can assure you, it's someplace both wonderful and strange. <laughs> Yeah, so I I don't know why I always get thrown off when it doesn't end. And yeah, that's that's where the episode leaves us. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be happier that we're picking up the pace a little bit. Yep, a lot of fun. I I think it's important to know too. There was a lot of the main cast True. was not in this episode, and I think that it benefited um, the pace because all the budget went to having Mike in. Didn't. <laughs> Mike right? Nelson doesn't get out of bed for lessons. Um, <laughs> But no, you didn't. Yeah, you, know, you didn't have like uh, Bobby. You didn't have Kathy and Pete. Um, Wait, Kath's you didn't not have on the line? Major Briggs. Kath, mm. uh, <laughs> Kath, unfortunately, mm. didn't make it on the line. Norma wasn't even in it, despite all of the scenes of the double R. There was no Norma. Yeah. There was no Big Ed. Toad was, was even Kobe. in the background. <laughs> yeah, Toad. With Toad. All, Toad's always around. With Toad with um, hat. With hat. My favorite and toe. action figure. This uh, this was a major step up. It checked a lot of the boxes of what I like about Twin Peaks. This certainly was another episode where it felt like, man, okay, we're back on track. This is definitely, you know, this feels like the Twin Peaks of old in in my of eyes. Your. Yeah. What'd you guys What'd you guys think of this? Um, it was good. Er, <laughs> than the last. It few. was gooder than the last few. I'll <laughs> definitely take that sentiment. Yes. Um just shocked to find out that donna is uh the bastard child of benjamin horn does this rock your entire universe (laughs) just a little bit um yeah it's crazy and that doc hayward doesn't really like her (laughs) he doesn't seem to right yeah like he's shown his love and support before but as soon as she starts asking questions it's like i have no daughter oh my gosh I just have the two times to in this house. You accept, <laughs> you accept the information I give you. I just really appreciate that we're getting back on track with getting some story done. Uh, we're we're getting into the weird stuff again, and we are delving a little more into the the spirituality and the and the quirky ookie bookie or ookie bookie spooky ookie around Twin Peaks, <laughs> and I'm excited for that. And that's what I needed. Let's finish this season. It's very good. I'm ready. Let's just skip to the last episode. You're not ready for the last episode, or. The next episode, let's do the next four episodes in the next Just cram them episode. all in together. Do a 20-second yeah. challenge for every scene. <laughs> yes. All right, let's see. If we are... Is everybody done? <laughs> oh, just come <laughs> off. I was going to say if everybody's done, then I was going to try a segment. 
It's a it's a oh right. It's Let's a bit of a competition. Oh no. Between Tyler and Patrick. Oh man. Is he on my team? Can he be on my team? <laughs> uh, what it was really going to be is just a three out of five competition. Well, let what? me give you the rules first. So the, okay. the competition I call I'm ready. casting backwards. It's casting backwards. I give you the name of a character backwards. And you give me the name of who plays them backwards. Oh, I see. No, I'm going to be bad at this. So, for example, we'll, we'll uh, just uh, give, you a, a, give you a softball here. Give me, give me a for instance. Uh, Repuk Elad. <laughs> what? Would be Nalkalkum Elek, because that would be Dale Cooper and Kyle McLaughlin. I mm. will never, <laughs> ever be able to do this. <laughs> Especially if I don't have the name in front of me to read. Let's just, just, try just, pull, just pull up the cast. Pull up the cast Let's for the episode. Try. I won't go beyond the episode. Okay. <laughs> so who was that one? That was a uh, that was Dale Cooper. Kyle McLaughlin. Say, say it again. Now, say it backwards. Say it backwards. Repuk yeah. Elad, and the answer would okay. have been. Now call come alike. Okay. Great. It doesn't have to be spot on, but it won't be. Okay. Right. Are we ready to begin? It's funny that Madchen yep. is Nick Dan. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Round one of casting backwards. I've never been so nervous. Give me the actor that plays this role, which I'm going to say backwards. Backwards. Enro Nemaj Neb. Remyeb Drachger. Richard Bamer as Benjamin Horde is correct. Tyler, fantastic. Ooh, smoked ya. Wow. <laughs> All right, round two. Tyler has okay. one. Patrick has zero. Yeah. Round two. Nerom Ikul. Nostrebar Yimik. Or Yimik. Yeah. <laughs> Kimmy Robertson sure. as Lucy Warren is correct. Tyler. <laughs> wow. I don't even know where to look here. <laughs> I like how Tyler was the most scared, and I haven't done anything. All right, this is your last opportunity to pull one out. All right. Namert S E R. I don't even know where to know. Liakim. That is Michael Ankin as Harry S. Truman. Tyler sweeps the game three for five. Oh, man. Yep. yep. What do I get? I never even tried it. Well, you win the opportunity to be a part of our next episode. You've oh, won, you won the right to stay on the podcast. I never given you this link. And that's, that's all you will get from me. And with that done, it is time for our damn fine lines of the night. And uh, I might actually go first tonight. Okay. Okay. My damn fine line of the night is going to come from Gordon Cole as he has this strange flirtation with Shelly Johnson, and my boy is thirsty. Would you like some pie? Massive, massive quantities and a glass of water, sweetheart. My socks are on fire. Great line. Loved Loved it. it. Loved it. My line comes from an exchange between Harry and Coop early in the episode, and it is this. Why would Eckhart want me dead? Sexual jealousy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> like Harry's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, <laughs> amazing. Patrick, what's your damn fine line of the night for us tonight? My damn fine line comes from Dale Cooper. Um, you know Dale, old Dale. This is when they're in the owl cave after all the excitement has happened. Dale looks to his pals, and here's what he says: I have no idea where this will lead us. But I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. Mm-hmm. I love the way he delivers that line as well, especially like yes. the emphasis on strange. Um, but I also love that it's a great callback to Judge Sternwood telling him that the woods are wondrous here, yes. but strange. <clears throat> you remember that one, Tyler? I do. Um, and it's kind of my feeling on, on Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful and strange. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Clot. Mm. What? Damn fine. All right. With all that said and done, I think we need to compartmentalize our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings into a palatable scale. Uh, I'm going to suggest maybe a one to five. Where'd we land on the collective 15? <laughs> like the, the option of, of borrowing scales. There's just other, a pool of 15 foreheads and you just grab. Well, maybe we'll try next season. I think we need to stick to a firm five for now. Uh, this is Talking Foreheads. Talking Foreheads. I can't. I just can't. James! Dave, what are you giving it, my man? This one has pulled me out of the abyss of sludge that has been the last few episodes. We're back in it. It's Twin Peaks again. It's four foreheads. Just four. It's quite a jump. Tyler. Um, let's see. Was I at rock bottom? You last were at week? rock bottom last week. What happened? I do like that Donna comes from a broken home. You like that? He loves it. But old BZ's macking on my girl. Mm-hmm. Old, old BZ. Old BZ. Hmm. Discovery Zone. <laughs> Discovery I, Zone. I think I'm going to have to go with... I'm going to go with three and a half foreheads. Okay. Just three and a half. I like it. Patrick, you got to give it foreheads, man. What's it going to be? I got to give it foreheads. I got to give it four foreheads. Just four. Yeah, it's safe to say we're back on track. Yes. Talking foreheads. I got to tell you, for me, it only gets better from here. Very excited about next week. Very excited about variations on relations. There's more very, very weird stuff. (laughs) Uh, There's more stuff (laughs) about chess pieces. There's more stuff. Uh, There's more stuff. And there's more stuff. More stuff. That we can't tell you because Tyler hasn't seen it. I have not. Quick shout out to my new followers of the week. Where's the outro music? Uh, I guess we're doing shout outs. Uh, quick shout out to <laughs> at Resner Lynch. Thank you for the follow. Another shout out to Guy Dudeman at Dodgeball282. Thank you. Those are followers Thanks, for Dudeman. the Egg Deviler on Twitter. At the Egg Deviler. Mm. You can also follow him on Instagram yes. at the Egg Deviler. He is not very active on either accounts, <laughs> but follow him. I actually, actually, he did post 
that one deviled egg thing you sent me, I posted it to my <laughs> to my store. <laughs> you can also follow us at Talking Backwards Pod on Instagram, and you can reach out to us with at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Talking Backward. Tyler? Who is this mystery bookhouse boy? Tom Cruise? Will Friedel? You decide. Anchor.fm slash Talking Backwards. And all of your favorite podcatchers to follow us. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Rate and review. Fantastic. See you next week. Variations on relations. Bye bye. <laughs> we are professionals. <laughs> we are amazing. <laughs>